0: This morning, we are jumping back into our teaching through the book of Matthew. And so I'm just going to ask you guys to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 5 through 8 this morning. Uh, And what a timely time in history for us to be going through uh, Matthew chapter 6, particularly in this prayer section. I just think that um, it's kind of divine that we're walking through this passage when we are. Uh, But I want to open up in a word of prayer and then uh, we will dig right in this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you, God, that you are with us, or that we uh, you are not just some distant God, often outer space, but you're a God that's here with us, here and now, and present in us. And I pray, Jesus, that you just uh, have your way with this time this morning, God, that you take your word, and you'd Um, open it up, reveal it to us, Jesus. I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. I pray that your church would be encouraged, and I pray that just a fervency for prayer and for the Word of God would be developed within us, Jesus. Would you just stir us up this morning, God? I pray against religiosity for religiosity's sake. I pray against God's complacency and all the things that just battle for our hearts to try to pull us away from you. And this morning, Jesus, I'm just praying that our roots would go down deep and that we would um, know you in a very real way and desire to spend time with you, Lord. So we give you this time this morning, and uh, we thank you, Jesus, that it's by your spirit that um, anything that's done this morning would actually cause transformation in people's hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. well, we are uh, really glad that you guys are tuned in with us this morning. And once again, uh, I'm a little bit bummed that it's behind a camera lens and a TV or a computer screen. And we look forward to the day that that's not the case, that we can actually see each other again face to face. But we will do with what we have right now. And we pray for you guys on a regular basis and just pray that your lives are flourishing, that your marriages are flourishing, that you guys are seeing Jesus more real now than ever before. Um, As we dive into this passage in Matthew chapter 6, I just want to start this off by saying this. Uh, Last week, Josh did an excellent job teaching through chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And uh, Josh talked about authenticity uh, a lot. He talked about um, the fact that in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, There's this guarding against practicing righteousness before others. Um, There's this guarding against giving to others or generosity in order to be noticed. Uh, That the goal was not um, to not practice righteousness and not give to the needy or be generous. But the goal was to do it in a heart that actually desired to honor God, not draw attention to ourselves in the midst of it. Anything that we do that brings attention to us versus put the attention on Jesus is a selfish act. Is a selfish act. And um, Jesus is coming against a political power and a religious power, a regime at the time that um, was training people to do things to do things um, without actually having their hearts engaged in the work. And so all through the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been studying through this, you just see Jesus hitting the nail on the head and going after hearts, continuing to go after hearts. And I don't know about you, but as I read through these texts, I'm just, I'm convicted on a weekly basis. Honestly, I'm convicted that um, I just challenged to look in my own heart and see like, where am I at? Why do I do what I do? And honestly, in the midst of this whole COVID thing, it's been a really good season to do that, to be a little more introspective and look deep inside. Like, why do I do the things we do? And even as a church, why do we do what we do? Um, What things are we taking for granted? Uh, What things have we taken on in our own power, in our own might? What things do we do in order to be noticed and get the accolades of man versus point people to Jesus himself? And so we're going to get into Matthew 6, 5 through 8 this morning, and we're going to start this conversation on prayer and just kind of set a foundation. And then over the next week or two, Uh, We're going to continue to work our way through the Lord's prayer. And my prayer in all of this is really that our hearts are stirred up to spend more time praying, um, to develop more of an intimacy with God himself in this way he's given us to communicate with him through prayer. So of all the privileges that a follower of Jesus has or enjoys, um, I think that prayer is the greatest of them. To be able to go directly into the presence of the Lord is an honor beyond description for us. Like, if you really think about the fact of of what God has opened up to allow us to have this clear communication with Him through prayer. It is seriously a privilege to be able to speak to the God who controls the universe, the God who created all things, to know that um, the God who created all things and knows all things has promised to hear us and He's promised to answer us. It's a blessing almost too great to even comprehend. Prayer is a hot topic today, uh, especially in the midst of the season that we find ourselves in. There's been several research uh, uh, institutions over the last five to ten years that have been doing multiple uh, studies on prayer. And uh, several years ago, I had read one of them, and then even in the midst of COVID, they've been revamping some of those studies and watching how prayer is ramping up in the midst of the pandemic that we find ourselves in. But I wanted to read you a bit of one of the articles that I read that just was released a couple weeks ago. It says, Using Google Trends data, a researcher began a grip of research on internet searches for prayer for 75 countries because she was interested to know if people are more curious about spiritual things in times of crisis. What she found was that the search intensity for prayer doubles for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID-19. The data timeline showing search intensity on prayer is flat before a country registers its first case of COVID-19 and then drastically rises after the first case is registered in a country for all regions of the world, including Muslim-majority nations. The increases in prayer intensity documented here are the largest the world has experienced since 2004, which was the earliest date for which the Google Trends data was actually available. And it's interesting that, that the research shows that more than half of Americans have prayed for the coronavirus to end. More than half. Uh, and, and prior to COVID, the research showed that 79% of Americans have prayed in the last three months. And research shows that 11% of atheists say they pray weekly or monthly. So Americans are a bit infatuated with prayer. I mean, globally, I guess, uh, the humans are infatuated with prayer. And, And I think it's really timely that we come to this passage in Matthew during a season in our country where people are praying now more than ever. They're hungry about spiritual things. They're interested in prayer. But there are some things that Jesus states about prayer in this text that help us to remember what prayer actually is and what prayer is not. As well as remind us who prayer is directed to and then protect us from praying with a detached heart. As with the the rest of the Sermon on the Mount as we've been studying, uh, Jesus' emphasis on prayer is no different than his emphasis on other spiritual disciplines. His desire was to remind us of the importance and the power of prayer, but primarily to remind us um, uh, of the fact that these disciplines are are not practiced for religiosity's sake. They're they're not practiced for our piety, Uh, but there is something valuable in understanding what Jesus cares about, like our heart is what he cares about in a state of prayer and for us to understand why is we pray and it would seem that that was really what jesus was prodding at through the sermon on the mount because the jews were very good at doing religious things with their hearts completely detached from the one thing that they were doing the one person uh the the who that they were doing it for so when you consider the fact that that real prayer is not just are sending words out into the air but that prayer is used by God to accomplish His purposes on this earth, it boggles the mind. Like, that's just crazy to think about. Like, what a gift that we've been given. What a privilege we have to be able to speak to God Himself, knowing that He'll hear us, knowing that He'll answer us, knowing that He has invited us to be involved with Him in the work that He is doing. This isn't our work, it's His work. But like anything else in life, we humans can even mess up something as profound and beautiful as prayer. And we can take advantage of it. We can not understand the purpose of it, the who that we're praying to. And, and so my, uh, many have, have prayed like integrally and have seen God move in tremendous power throughout their lives as, as, as He heard and He answered their prayers. But there's many that have also prayed out of wrong motives and have received received nothing uh, in the answer to the request that they've given. And so as we continue through the study through the book of Matthew, we're talking through a section of scripture where scripture where Jesus addresses prayer. And in these verses, Jesus is really exposing some of the problems in prayer that were rampant in his day and time. And he condemns these pretentious. Uh, pray, the pretentious praying of hypocrites, as Josh kind of teed off on the hypocrites last, last week in the intro to this chapter. But Jesus is, content, is uh, condemning their, their pretentious praying the, to the religious of the day, the, these hypocrites. And Jesus tells us that their praying will amount to nothing. And then he tells us actually how men should approach God. And so this morning, I want to look at what Jesus says about praying without pretense. Uh, the, this word pretense means insincere. It means feigned behavior. It means something done or, or a way of behaving that's not genuine but is meant to deceive other people. In other words, pretense is another word for hypocrisy. And Josh teed off on this last week. Uh, pretentious, hypocritical praying is not how Jesus intend for a, for a, intended for us to commune with him. You and I need to learn how to pray without pretense. And so I want to look at what Jesus had to say about this. Verse 5, if you guys would open up your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. Uh, That word hypocrite means actor. It means pretender. It's somebody who's faking it. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, like the Jewish places of worship. And they love to stand on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. And so like Josh teed off on last week in regards to giving to the needy and practicing righteousness, the reason they were practicing their righteousness, the reason they were being generous was to be noticed by others. And this is what Jesus is guarding against. Once again, Jesus is saying, truly, I say to you, they already have their full reward like the reward that they've received were the accolades that they received on this earth and if you look at that word reward uh, we need to understand it in the context that it was actually spoken in. It, it meant wages, it meant pay, it meant compensation. It's what you get in return for something. And so for them, what they were giving was was, was something that uh, they, they were giving of their time or giving of their money um, in order to be noticed by man. And Jesus is saying, you've already been paid. You've been compensated for what you did because your heart was detached from it. What you wanted out of it, you got out of it. And that was your reward. With regards to the Jewish nation, we need to understand that the Jewish nation was this blessed and privileged people, that God had chosen them. God had given them the Mosaic law, and he promised to send this Messiah through them, and then he gave them access to him, uh, to to God himself through Jesus. And and so they, uh, of all people, should have known how to talk to God. This chosen people, chosen by God, should have known how to talk to him. But over the years, Uh, many, many of these errors had kind of worked their way into Jewish worship and to Jewish prayer. And so these are the problems Jesus refers to here. So here's a quick rundown of some of the errors that Jesus points out. One, that prayer had become nothing more than a ritual to them. So the the Jews prayed, but but their prayers were, were scripted and they were formulaic. And so either He either, the Jews either quoted them from memory or they would read these prayers, but a a Jew could pray and not even think about what it was they were saying because it was just memorized or it was just read off of a script basically. And so if you ever see footage of Jews praying at the wailing wall in Jerusalem, this is what you're seeing. It's really interesting to stand there and listen to their prayers because they're saying the same things and they're either, again, they're quoting them out of memory or they have these prayer books in front of them and they're just reading off of these prayer books. And so um, it's very easy for a Jew's heart to be detached from what it is they're actually praying for because all they're doing is going through emotion. And this is what Jesus is guarding against. Um, Every morning and evening, the the faithful Jews would repeat the Shema. And we've talked about this this before in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this was this prayer that was formed from a handful of passages from Deuteronomy 6. And often, even the Shema was kind of abbreviated and chopped down into something that they could memorize. And this would just be basically Deuteronomy 6 4, like, Hero, Israel, the Lord your God is one. And they would say that and they memorize it and they read it, but um, their hearts are detached from the words that they're actually saying. So regardless of where a Jew was, at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, they would stop, and and what they would do is offer up these necessary prayers. It was like law for them to stop, say their prayers like they're supposed to, and then go on with their day. And so some could have prayed these prayers in all sincerity, but most were simply following a ritual, and this is what Jesus was pushing back against. The second thing is this, is that predetermined prayers Were formulated for every aspect of their life, and so for the Jew, every conceivable turn of life, every circumstance had a prayer that had been developed in this book to deal with, and so so they would also. This also led to these prayers that, um, again, could be recited from the head and not lifted up from the Spirit. And that's, I think, what Jesus is coming at, is like, let these not be things that you just do out of repetition, but let these be things that do as a prompting from the Spirit in intimacy with the Father. The third thing was this, is that prayer was was limited to these preset times and locations. And so for the Jew, it was like three times a day, and then they faced east towards Jerusalem to do their prayers. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but I was in an airport in new york one time sitting to waiting to board a plane and watches like 50 um, jewish folks got up in the middle of the airport moved over to one corner of the airport all turned east and began to recite these prayers i mean it was just like almost like robots in perfect fashion they moved to the same area and began to turn east and recite these prayers and so their prayers where we're we're very formulaic but we need to remember that there's nothing wrong with praying at these predetermined times as the Jews did Uh, but but we're all called upon to be in an out of in an attitude of prayer always as Paul states like we need to pray without ceasing the fourth thing is this is that long prayers were actually held in high regard so the more you prayed the longer you prayed the more spiritual the more righteous the more pious you actually were And so the the Jews believed this, that the longer and more elaborate their prayers, the more likely their prayers were actually to be heard by God. And so Jesus warns against this practice of just praying for the sake of praying and going as long as you can so that you could be noticed or so that you could earn your way to God because you've prayed so elaborately and so long. There's nothing wrong with long-winded prayers. Um, I'm guilty of them myself oftentimes. But... As long as the spirit is the one that's moving us, the spirit is the one that's leading us to pray. So when a, a person prays a long time to impress others, which is what the jews were doing they've they've crossed this line into pretense again the fifth th- the fifth thing is this is that many prayers were comprised of meaningless repetition, which Jesus will go on to talk about. The Jews were notorious for repeating these phrases over and over again, adding like adjectives to the name of God, thinking that they were actually going to be heard by him. And so this was actually a pagan practice that sadly has even found its way into Christian circles today. Um, and the sixth is that um, the, the, the desire to be seen and, and heard by others. And this is the worst offense of all, that prayer had ceased to be about communion with God, and it turned into this attempt to impress others. This is the attitude that Jesus is dealing with in these verses. And there's two things that Jesus says that, that He wants us to be aware of when it comes to prayer. One is beware of wrong motives. Like God tells us that prayer is not about being seen or heard by others, uh, but that prayer is a time of personal communion with God. It's being intimate with Him. And many have read these verses and, and named to this conclusion that, that or came to this conclusion that any kind of public prayer is actually off limits, because Jesus is teaching against that. And that's really not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus was not forbidding public prayers, he was telling men to beware of who their audience was. <clears throat> if men were praying in public to be seen, to be heard by others then they had totally missed the point of prayer. Prayer is about a man entering into the presence of God to actually have communion with God himself. So beware of wrong motives. And beware of wrong methods, this was the second thing, is that these people Jesus called hypocrites were guilty of standing in public places such as synagogues and busy street corners and praying out loud and praying long and praying repetitiously. And their desire was to impress all of those around there with their piety and their religiosity. And so Jesus is condemning that kind of prayer because it draws attention to man and not to God. It glorifies the flesh and not the Father. Again, there's nothing wrong with p- praying in public at all. There's nothing wrong with a person standing in public to pray. I mean, this last week, we had the National Day of Prayer, and we, we had it down at the flagpoles by Tubbs Hill in downtown Coeur d'Alene. It was an amazing time to watch the church come together and spend some time praying. But the goal of that is not to be noticed. The goal is not to draw attention to ourselves. The The goal is to corporately come together to have an intimate communing time with God Himself in prayer to seek Him. Um, God isn't concerned about the posture that we come to Him in, uh, the posture of our bodies. We don't have to be kneeling down, standing up, hands in the air. Um, he's concerned about the attitude of our heart. He's concerned about why we're doing what we're doing. And if a person's public praying is different from their private praying, and is designed like to appeal to others instead of pointing them to God, then it just smacks of hypocrisy and, and pretense. It's um for me, I don't I don't know about you, but for me, it's a blessing to actually hear others pray. I love hearing how God is speaking through somebody else and listening to the way they commune with God. There's something really rich about that um, for me. Uh it, I love listening to like listening, listening to somebody who is just. When they pray, it seems as though they're just in direct communication with the Lord and not caring about what anybody else around them thinks or hears. Verse 6, Jesus says this. He says, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So having told his followers how the hypocrites prayed, Jesus proceeds to tell them how they should pray. Like, this is what you've seen of the hypocrites. This is what you've observed. This is how you will pray. And so, um, he, why is he giving some sort of guidelines for prayer? Like, even in an activity like prayer, there's still the danger that the flesh actually could get involved or that we will be led astray by Satan. And two of Satan's strongest attacks, if you look in Scripture, against Jesus came during times of intimate communion with the Father. and When Jesus was spending time with the Lord, and Satan shows up and tries to interfere with this time that Jesus is having with his Father. And Satan, we need to know that the enemy will try anything he can to hinder your prayer life. I mean, there's a reason why you struggle to find time to pray. There's a reason why uh, when you're in a hot debate or argument with your spouse it seems really difficult to say can we just stop and spend some time in prayer because satan wants to come against any opportunity you would have to actually commune with god for unity to be had with god's people and himself and so here's what jesus says about our private prayer time there's kind of his points on private prayer is that prayer is a priority He, he says when you pray again like following up off of some of what Josh talked about last week, Jesus doesn't say if you pray, the expectation is that as a follower of Jesus, you will pray. And so he says when you pray, like it's expected that God's people will pray. We're commanded in scripture to pray. And since we're told to pray, we have to make prayer a priority in our life. It's important. It's, it's one of the spiritual disciplines for us in our life. If, if prayer's not made a priority in our life, then you'll never pray. Uh, it's just easy for life to take over and for us to get busy and commotion to have its way and for us to just get torn this way and that. Uh, it's Prayer is something that um, and sometimes takes some diligence. It takes setting aside some of our agenda and the things we have going on in our life to actually set a time aside to go be with the Father. A couple of weeks ago, our, our staff took a, uh, a couple hours and we went and had this kind of prayer walk time. And we just... It took an hour, and uh, all the staff went away individually just to spend time with the Lord. And it was a really sweet time. But it took about 20 minutes into that prayer time for you to really feel like you were getting into a rhythm and connecting with the Lord because the first 20 minutes was like, oh, is my phone on? Am I getting texts? You know, my watch? Um, what are the other things I have to get done today after I get done with this? And you're immediately consumed by everything else that you have to get finished for the day or every other concern or worry in your life, and it takes dedicated time um, So, sort of practice setting aside the busyness and the chaos of our lives to just give God our hearts and our time and spend time praying with him. The second point that Jesus makes is that prayer is personal. So in contrast to the hypocrites who like to pray in these public places to be seen by others, Jesus actually tells us people to go into a private place and to pray. And there are things that that need to be said in prayer that don't need to be said within an earshot of others. Uh, If you read through some of David's prayers in the Psalms, um, there are times when David's crying out. There's times when David is legitimately ticked off and he's lashing out, and there are times when he's broken. Um, But what's so awesome and so uh, authentic about even reading through some of David's prayers is that You could tell that the man was just connecting with the Most High God and was basically sharing his burdens, his struggles. He was also um, giving gratitude to the Lord and thanksgiving to God in his prayer time. But when we pray in private, we can sort of have this liberty to declare Um, our hearts to the Lord, to just kind of let it all out. We can pray about personal stuff and private matters. We can call out names of people that we want to pray for in private times of prayer. We can be honest with the Lord. We can humble ourselves before Him. We can be actually who we really are before God in those times. In private prayer, there's nobody to impress. And it's our time with the Lord. And again, there's nothing wrong with praying in a group. Notice verse nine, Jesus tells us to say, our father, once we get into the Lord's prayer. And this kind of, kind of implies this corporate prayer, like our father, but still, there's nothing more precious than spending time alone with God in a private time of prayer. You don't even have to pray out loud. Like A a fourth century believer by the name of Chrysostom said that many people in his day prayed so loud in their prayer closets that everyone could hear what they were saying. And it was almost like they were so loud and so um, uh, fervent in their prayers that everybody could hear it anyway. Uh, And uh, the, the third thing is this, is that prayer is precious for us. When Jesus uses this phrase, pray to your father who's in secret. He's referring to, like, the very dwelling place of God. So for the Jews, this would have been kind of a startling revelation for them. For for centuries, the, this high priest was the only one that was allowed to be going to the Holy of Holies, like the most holy area of the temple where God's presence was. And the priest could only go in there once per year on the Day of Atonement, and he could only enter with the, the blood to atone for his sins and atone for the sins of the people, this blood from an animal. And Jesus tells us that when we enter into genuine prayer before God, that we're able to enter into the secret place. Like the Most High, the, the Holy of Holies, the secret place with God. Literally, we're, we're allowed access into the Holy of Holies of heaven with God when we spend time in prayer with Him. When, when we pray, we're, we're allowed access into the throne room of grace we don't have to have some human priest to stand in the gap for us but through jesus we have access to the very throne of our father in heaven we we have this privilege during our times of private prayer to step out of this world for a time and enter into his presence to commune with him it's such a sweet opportunity we've been given and that's why private prayer is so precious and it's so powerful it literally takes you into the presence of god and it brings the the, it brings god's presence near to you like james 4 8 says draw near to god and he will draw near to you that's our opportunity in the secret place with the lord the fourth thing is that prayer is powerful jesus says that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you though there's actually something that awaits for us, And so like we said, the, the reward for the hypocrites was simply the accolades that they received for the religious actions that they did. But God says that there is some sort of a reward that awaits us. That when we pray to the Lord out of a sincere desire to have communion with Him, He'll actually honor our faith and our humility. And He'll answer in such a way that will actually demonstrate the fact that, that we've been with Him. If if we will refuse to show off in prayer and make it about us, then he'll actually show out and he will answer the prayers that we're coming to him with. And so Jesus is telling us that when prayer ceases to be about us and are being seen by others, it becomes all about him. And that's the place he wants us to be. So you you see that those who pray for the applause of others get exactly what they wanted in verse 5. But those who see prayers, this time of private communion with the Lord are not concerned with their own personal glory. They, they want to see God move in power. And He ends up getting all the glory, not us. And then Jesus goes on to say in verses 7 and 8, And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, uh, the, the unbelievers. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So Jesus sort of gives some conditions regarding our personal prayer. And so having told us what not to do and what to do, Jesus offers a few more conditions related to um, our, our personal prayer lives. And I, I don't want you to miss these this morning. So in verse 7, Jesus is one of them is that he's guarding against, he's saying refrain from repetition. So the unbelievers, as well as many of the Jews, believe that they would be heard by the Lord if they repeated their prayers over and over and over again, or used the same phrases over and over again. And an example of this is seen in the prophets of Baal in first Kings and with the people of Ephesus in Acts 19. But Jesus does not want his people to engage in meaningless repetition. And the same thing still occurs today where we can get into sort of the, the, these moments where we're just saying things to say them because it's just what Christians do. It's the same reason we often go to church. It's the same reason we often go to Bible studies. It's the same reason uh, some read their Bible. I mean, we have to guard ourselves against doing things in order to just do them. Um, it's interesting because many Buddhists, spin wheels that contain these written prayers in them and they believe that each turn of this wheel sends that prayer to their God. And then the Roman Catholics light these prayer candles in the belief that their their requests will continue to ascend repetitiously to God as long as the candle is lit. Um, These rosaries are used to count off these repeated prayers of Hail Mary and Our Father and the rosary itself coming to Catholicism from Buddhism by way of these Spanish Muslims during the the, the Middle Ages. And if we're not careful, it's exactly what we will end up doing is developing these patterns, these repetitious actions that don't produce fruit, that don't Um, actually engage our hearts with God himself. We'll, We'll pray the same prayer every meal, which is not bad, but I'm just saying if we continue to do it just to get our prayers in for the day and say the same thing, we actually miss the opportunity to commune with the living God, church. You have this great, great privilege to know God, for him to be with you. And so may we guard our hearts from engaging him in such a way that it's just out of our own selfish ambitions or to make ourselves look right or, or hoping that we'll earn something in God's eyes when we should actually humbly approach the throne and realize that prayer time is an opportunity to connect with him. And so um, uh, the, the, in verse 8, um, there's also this challenge there to rest in our relationship with him. And so Jesus reminds us that, that God's our father, it says. And so as such, He knows what we need before we ask, and He's concerned that your needs actually be met. Some may ask the question, like, if God already knows what we need, then what's the point of even praying? I know I've asked that many times in my own life, but prayer gives God the opportunity to hear His children express their love for Him, hear His children express their dependence upon Him and their faith in Him, And prayer actually affords God the opportunity to demonstrate His love, and His power, and His glory, His providence, His sovereignty, and His provision for His kids. Uh, Prayers not prayed will be prayers not answered. and then the, the, the second or the third thing is that we rely on his resources like since he is God and since he's our father we can actually go to him in confidence and faith believing that he has the power to answer us when we call upon him. That that faith in God through prayer, through prayer is actually essential to prayers being answered. That we come to him in faith trusting that he will take care of us but It's really interesting that we often approach God in prayer with our own list of expectations instead of, um, God, what is your will? Like, give my heart the ability to trust that you know what I need, that you know what's best for me. Because in America, it's often easy to sort of set our list of expectations. God, you know that I have a house payment, a car payment, and you know that I have a cell phone and that I have to eat. Um out at restaurants three times a day. And so we have these lists of expectations and these so-called provisions that don't actually stand up in worldwide. Like the majority, 80% of the world is not... Having the same expectations that we are as Mar- Americans but what God does know is what your actual needs are and what God does promise is that he will need, he will meet your actual needs and so can you approach him in prayer not with the expectation of him doing what it is you want to be done but knowing that in the midst of prayer we come to him and somehow in the midst of prayer everything's kind of reassessed. And so the way I come to Him in prayer is often not the same as I leave when I spend time with Him. I come to God with things, and I, and I will sit with Him, and I'll say, Lord, You know this, and I need this, and what about this? And I'll lay these things before Him, and I kid you not, almost every single time after spending time with Him, I leave it going, but God, You are good, and You know what's right, and You know what I need, and all the expectations that I came to You with when I came into this time with You— Um, are no longer that big of a deal in light of the fact that I just want to be with you. Ultimately, God wants intimacy. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to rely on His resources. Honestly, I, I truly believe that our God can do absolutely anything. And Scripture says that Um, He's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And since that's true, we actually need to engage in prayer. We actually need to rest in His resources, His provision, believing in His power and rejoicing in His answers to prayer. As I was preparing for this message this week, uh, week in and week out, I always think about application. Like, what are people going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And I was so challenged this week in this time that my prayer life is not where it could be. Um, That my life takes control. My busyness takes control. I get caught up in so many different things. And I don't know about you, but there's some days when I feel like I'm literally running from appointment to appointment or running to this store to grab this and then this meeting to get this. And then you're going in and out and you feel like you're running, 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 running. And at some point in your life, you have to go, God, I'm going to stop and I'm going to dedicate some time to you. Because if I do not stop and dedicate time to you, everything else in my life will take over. And um, I was very convicted this week that I'm just guilty of um, allowing everything else to consume my time and my thoughts and my energy. And I find it very difficult sometimes to just stop and take some dedicated time to sift through my heart and my mind and allow God to do the work in me that He wants to do. (laughs) So the application, I think, is really simple in the coming weeks as we dig into the Lord's prayer. Um the application is start praying. <laughs> it's really that easy. And maybe you don't know what to say. Maybe you don't know um how to talk to the Lord. Um but I want to encourage you this morning that um you know what's burdening you right now. Um you know what you have to be thankful for. You know what the needs are around you. You know people who are sick and people that desperately need God to show up in their lives. There's a handful of things right there that I can encourage you with this week that you can spend time in the Lord and take to Him in prayer and, and and wait on Him. And what's awesome about it is that even though you may approach Him in a time of saying, like, God, I'm praying for others or, God, I'm praying for this situation or that situation, you'll often leave your times of prayer feeling like you just engaged the living God And it was no longer about you just coming at him with this sort of list of um, wants or needs, uh, but it was more about you just drawing near to him and knowing that his peace will sustain you, um, that your trust in him is what he's looking for, that your devotion to him and your intimacy with him is, is of utmost importance to the Most High God. That's why he sent his son Jesus, was to remove all other obstacles in between us and God. That Jesus, through His death and His resurrection, actually opened up the path for us to communicate with God, to know Him in a very personal way. So we don't go through a priest, we don't go through other people or mediators to try to find our way to God, we go to God Himself and He's actually come to you. So I don't want to be a hypocrite in my prayer life, And as God is my witness this morning, I don't want to impress anybody with my prayers. Um, What I want to do is develop this personal, private prayer life um, until it's everything that God would have it to be. And I want to avoid pretense in my praying. Uh, And my question this morning is, what about you? Where are you at with the Lord? And this week, could I challenge you to take a few moments to set aside all the noise in the world and in your life and to just spend time with the Lord. you the most high God, the creator of the universe, the one who holds this whole thing in his hands. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that we can come before you. And even as I pray now, God, knowing that um, these aren't empty words, uh, Lord, but we're actually talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pray for each person on the other side of this camera lens. Lord, I pray that you'd reach into their hearts. God, I pray for their intimacy with you, God, that it would go deep. I ask Jesus that you give them the ability in this next week to find the time, to make the time, to spend time with you, Jesus, to dedicate time to you. And what I'm praying, God, is that throughout this next week, as we take this time to be with you, I'm praying that you would show up in just a major way. And uh, the things we come to you with in prayer uh, would not be the things that we leave worried about afterwards. God, we would leave prayer and time with you just with an appreciation and a gratitude, knowing that it was a privilege to be with God himself. We love you, Jesus. I pray that you would get our affection Lord, I pray that you receive honor and glory for our lives and each of the lives represented behind this, uh, this this camera lens this morning. I'm praying, Jesus, that you show up in a real way in our city and meet tangible needs as well as spiritual needs and be with people. Reveal yourself. Show them who you are, what you think of them. God, I pray in your name, Jesus, that you guard us from doing things out of our own vain conceit and doing things to gain accolades for ourselves that you'd guard us from being a people that make our faith about us instead of making it about you, Jesus. Bless each person that's watching this today. Be with them, Jesus, and bless them in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.